Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Welcome to episode 124 of the Highly Relevant Podcast, a Latinx show where I interview the people and discuss the moments that are shaping our American and Latino pop culture. Well, guys, I did a few things this week that were pretty fun, but um, I, uh, I had a chance to see an advanced screening of Hustlers. These Wall Street guys. You want them drunk enough to get their credit card? Yellow cat. But sober enough to sign a check. Now, you've probably heard of it here and there. It's the new Jennifer Lopez movie, which is a bit of a modern Robin Hood story about several strippers who stole from a bunch of dirty Wall Street men. Uh, and the film was based on a 2015 New York Magazine article. And Jennifer Lopez is the best thing in the film. I won't say too much about it since I'll be reviewing it here soon, but here are a few bullet points just so you have it. Jennifer Lopez should get some award consideration for her role in this film. She overshadowed the cast and carried that movie. The other thing you should know is that Cardi B and Lizzo barely come out in the movie. So don't go to see them specifically. They come out for a minute or maybe two or something like that. Um, if you like Magic Mike, you're going to like Hustlers because it's like a female Magic Mike. It's cinematic. It's well-written and it has a bunch of great performances. So comes out Friday the 13th, September. Uh, make sure to catch it. I, I enjoyed it. And there's no reason why this movie shouldn't be uh, talked about in the next couple of months. Well, on this week's episode, Bianca de la Garza, the first Latina late night host, comes on the show to discuss her new beauty brand in Glow We Trust. And film critic Mike Sargent reviews Argentinian director Andres Muschietti's latest horror sequel. It's called It Chapter 2. The film is almost three hours long. Did it hurt the film or help it? But before I talk to Bianca and Mike, it's time I give you my weekly pop culture news recap in a segment I like to call Jacked In. Let's begin with the top movie news of the week, Pedro Almodóvar's Dolor y Gloria to represent Spain at the Oscars. Latinx filmmakers Alex Rivera and Cristina Ibarra have sold their film The Infiltrators to Oscilloscope Films. There's a new Raúl Julia documentary directed by Ben de Jesus. Billy Crystal will direct and co-star with Tiffany Haddish in the new comedy. The Crazy Rich Asian sequel has reached a standstill over money, and Eddie Murphy says he's going on a stand-up tour in 2020. <laughs> 
In TV news, Eva Longoria, Arturo Castro, and Andy Garcia will co-star in a new Quibi series called Flipped. Rosario Dawson will star as an investigator in a new series for the USA Network. Cardi B to have a Netflix music competition show to air as a three-week event. Vida's Chelsea Rendon joins the cast of Shameless, and co-star Michelle Prada will have a recurring role on CW's Riverdale. And finally, Marvel is developing the lesbian Latina teen Miss America TV series for Disney+. Switching over to music, CNCO, Rosalia Nozuna, J Balvin, and Bad Bunny performed at the MTV VMAs. Camila Cabello dropped two new singles this week. Nicki Minaj tweets that she plans to retire and start a family. Taylor Swift's new album, Lover, accounted for 27% of all album sales in the country. Tabi Lovato will guest star in Will and & Grace, and Jennifer Lopez will be on Despierta America this Friday the 13th. And in tech and social media news, YouTube launches a dedicated fashion and beauty vertical. Classic Super Nintendo games are coming to the Nintendo Switch. Facebook is developing a new messaging app called Threads, and Apple Music launches its own website. To the losers. We made an oath. S swear. If it isn't dead. If it ever comes back. We'll come back to We didn't stop it. Pennywise. The clown. <laughs> we can't let it happen again. I'm joined now with film and culture critic Mike Sargent, also one of the most appreciated guests that we have on the show. Mike, what's going on, buddy? <laughs> Jack Rico. <laughs> Jack Rico. I still love your name, I got to tell you, no matter hey, what. Listen, when you have a name like Mike Sargent. <laughs> and, <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. It Ted must Hunt. be because I've gotten all kinds of comments about my name, and I know you do. I get so. that all the time. No one believes. First of all, you know, let's, let's be serious about something. Guys like me, guys that look like me, aren't called Jack historically this in this is country. true this is true so at the my at my beginnings dude can you can i tell you that i a friend of mine used to be a clown at a party uh at the, a clown he used to be a yeah. clown and you know but it was more like clown in a general level where he had a he used to work for a guy who had this party business and he was this jewish guy with a big fro walked funny and my friend was like 15, 16 at the time. I must have been 14 at the time. Uh, he would get paid like 120 bucks an hour per party. And sometimes he would have two parties. So he would need help. And he would then ask me if I could tag along. So we wouldn't dress up in clown costumes. But we would dress up like Aladdin, the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, Spider-Man, you know? Dude, I, I need to see you dressed up as a Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. I'd pay good money for that. I'd pay good money for that. All right, so again. <laughs> and so when we were wrapping up, he says to me, hey, I'm going to pack up the costumes, put them in the trunk, go get the money. So I go to the lady. It was an African-American lady. And I said, hi, uh, just picking up the check real quick. We're heading out. She goes, okay, who would I make it out to? And I said, uh, you could just put, you know, Jack. Who's Jack? Jack, Jack's me. He's like, Jack? Your name is Jack. I said, yeah. He goes, shouldn't you be called like Carlos or Juan? Uh, and stop. that- Somebody th literally said that yes, to you? Yes, yes. And it was an African-American lady. Wow. <clears throat> yeah, man. It was, uh, 
I could say, oh, it was a white. No, no, no. It's, sometimes it's it's our own. You know, it's uh, uh, it's bias is bias. It's bias is bias, dude. And so here's what I'm saying. I get. Oh, is Jack Rico your real name? Because I I think to somebody I must look like a Carlos Sanchez or something. You know. Mm, no. I say Jack Rico. <laughs> yeah, that's what I see too. It's I like, see Jack Rico. Leave my name but, alone, uh, lady. <laughs> you know. All right, man. So let's talk about it. Chapter two. You had a chance to see it this week. I didn't. That's been oh, my year. Really? I, I haven't seen it. Wow. I haven't really been able to see a lot of movies. Dude, do you know I didn't even see a Spider-Man Far From Home yet? Wow. I haven't seen a lot of things. I just saw well, a lot of Well, they re-released because, it with more more footage. They re-released it with more footage. Yeah, so I'm just going to wait for the Blu-ray and just catch it at home and, uh, and gotcha. watch it there. But there's a bunch of movies that I haven't seen and a bunch of movies that I want to see now that um, I got accredited to the New York Film Festival. But you got a chance to see It Chapter 2. And this is a movie that is of special interest to me because it's directed by Andres Muschietti. And he's an Argentinian film director. And he's probably one of the few... Hollywood Latin X directors that are working right now. Um, and I remember interviewing Andres Muschetti with Guillermo del Toro for Mama that he had directed too. And listen, anything that Andres Muschetti touches at this moment is a number one box office film. Dude, I, I agree with you 100 percent because he's 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 hot now. He's only he's got he's got the Flash. He's going to be directing for, D, right. for DC, and he's also directing. I don't know if you know what Attack on Titan is. No, what's that? Attack. It's a very very popular Japanese manga. It was it was a manga, then it was turned into an anime. Uh, very very popular. It's and he's directing that. Even, and he's directing that too. What is the storyline? What is the premise of this sequel? Okay, the premise of the sequel is that in the first movie they thought they killed the clown. Pennywise is gone. Pennywise. Now, as Pennywise gone. Now, what has happened is 27 years later, they made that pact in the first movie that if he ever came back, they're going to stick together and, and, and kill this damn clown. Well, 27 years later, the only one that stayed in town is the black guy, Mike. Mike calls everybody and everybody's going to come back and every, you see what's going on in everybody's life. And they all come back and they find out that not only did they not kill this clown, but he's back, and all they really did is is you know pause the cycle, and and we discover that he's going to kill, and he's already started killing, and he's going to kill all of them. So that's basically the premise. I hear that this movie, I get some mixed messages about it. Chapter two, number one, everyone's complaining about the 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 almost three hour duration for a horror film. Two hours forty nine minutes. How's the entertainment value of this film? Now, the entertainment value is high. Now, the good part about this is that it's it's completely entertaining. I didn't think it was boring. I mean, I was interested and I was invested in every character. You know, if you like the first film. I, I it, really it, liked the first film, man. I uh, really liked the first film, too. It was like clowns are back. And I always thought clowns were creepy. And this, I felt like this was the first horror clown movie that that really scared me. Uh, you know, this, and it's something you said, the, the criticism is this, that how are you going to scare people for two hours and 49 minutes? That's ridiculous, okay? It, like, you know, who would sit through that? So there are plenty of scares in it, and, and I'm surprised at how many are there. But if you like the first movie, the, and you love those characters, the kids, the dialogue, the, it's perfectly cast for them adult as adults. The casting is, it's just, it's a great cast. They're all really good. They all feel like Stephen King characters. 
you know? And you really feel like you're in a Stephen King movie. And if you like Stephen King, this is steeped in King. As a matter of fact, it's so steeped in King that, that it's, it's, it's got a running joke. There's one of the characters as a writer who's very, you know, successful, but everybody hates the endings to his story. (laughs) (laughs) Like everybody he meets, he's like, Oh, you're a fan. Yeah. But I hated the ending. And so, Clearly, that's, you know, talking about him. The other thing you said about what really makes this is is the director. He's fantastic. The directing is fantastic. It's not good. It's fantastic. And what makes it's it tra- fantastic? What, what okay, we- I'll tell you. Visually, from the first five minutes, he does such imaginative transitions, uh, this allegory, the cinematography, the, the transitions from scene to scene, from time to past to present. It's just, it's beautiful. It's just beautiful. Wow. You can see why Guillermo you know, like this guy. Right, right, Because right, right. He, he definitely is a very... Uh, um, poetic storyteller and there's a lot of moments of 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 allegorical poetry like you get things that probably in the book were easy to understand on film it would just go by you but you get it he makes you understand the metaphor of what these people are fighting beyond what it is like what their inner demon is did the three did did, did it hold your attention for three hours or were there some lagging com- times well Let's put it this way. There's definitely a point where you're like, wow, this is a long ass movie, you know, but you're engaged. Like you want to know what's going to happen. It keeps you going. You know, you kind of feel like, all right, all five of them split up. All five of them have to have their own scary moment. So, okay. So you're waiting for all of that. Then they all get back together and then they all are going to have their various, you know, travel through the, you know, the hero's journey to get to the end moments. So, like, you you know where it's going, more or less, uh, but you do enjoy it. It is a little long. I think it should have been a, a miniseries like the original. So is what about scare-wise? Is it scary? Uh, yeah, you know, it's Am scary. Am I running out the door scary? It's not running out the door scary, but it's got plenty of scares. Plenty of scares. Okay, are I, they I, good scares? They're, some, some are super solid. Nice. Okay. Some are super solid. Some are super solid where you're like, okay. And again, for a scare to really work, it can't be just like a boo. It's got to be a little bit psychological, a little bit supernatural, a little bit like you can relate to it. The scariest, the scariest scene in a movie is a movie like where, you know, you could be that person in that scenario. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, what if you woke up and, you know, you looked over and you're, your wife was a corpse. Like, oh my God, you know, that's <laughs> a scary moment, you know? Yeah. Like, so, so those kind of things, there, there are definitely some of those in there. So overall, what would, what grade would you give this film? On a scale of what? A through F. Ooh, A through F. I'd say definitely a, a, a B. Definitely a B. Maybe okay, B plus. That's, that's a watchable Maybe film. Maybe a B plus. It's wow, okay. B watchable. plus. Absolutely watchable. Any time it goes into C plus, then we're talking about, no, I'm no, debating no. whether I'm, I'm even watching you, that film. this director is Muschetti. really- Yeah, man. It, These Argentine he's, directors, man, are really I'm coming on the road. He's, he's, All right. I see cool. anything you did. All right, so three hours uh, goes by, you know, pretty pretty quickly. The writing is is on on point. Uh, the performances, from what I'm hearing, is great. The entertainment value is is uh, is top notch. So, mm-hmm. dude, this sounds like a pick for this weekend. Thanks a lot, Mike. Thank you, Jack Rico. And. 
And before I talk to Bianca, here are three land tracks you might want to add to your playlist this weekend. Tócamela, Los Amigos Invisibles. Es normal, menor menor, Daleks, Mili, Laddie Over y Cheryl Towers. No nos sobran los domingos, versión bachata, Debbie Nova y Vicente García. Bianca de la Garza is a Mexican-American journalist who left local TV in Boston to pursue her dreams of becoming a late-night host. She accomplished that for several years and now is launching a new multicultural beauty brand, and she's here to talk about it. Welcome to the Highly Relevant Podcast, Bianca. I'm with Yen, with Yen Jack. So great to be back with you. I know. So let me just catch up my uh, listeners with... Uh, you and I have met yeah. before. So years uh-huh. ago, and I'm trying to... F- remember the year, maybe it was two to three years ago, maybe a little bit more. Um, I was invited to be a part of your late night show, yes. uh, which was at the former Andy Cohen's um, uh, late night show uh, studio that he had, right? I, I think they're still there though in New York, right? Yeah, on Hudson. But right, <laughs> right, right. And uh, we did an Oscar piece there and uh, that was a lot of fun. And I was like, wow. It was so fun. I remember looking at you for the first time and going, wait a minute, she doesn't look Mexican. <laughs> was my like initial <laughs> you reaction. Be the first one. <laughs> I initially, initially I thought you were white American, you know? Right, right. And I'm thinking there's nothing Mexican about her. I mean, should I ask, you know? So right, it was yeah. it, it was one of those things where it was it was a memorable moment to spend that time with you, but it all, it was also <laughs> interesting to kind of see how you have dealt in your life with people telling you you're not Mexican or that you don't look Mexican. You know, what does a Mexican look like? Do they have right. to look indigenous? It's so strange, you know, how, you know, even as Latinas, you know, we we all look so different. And it's worked both ways for me, Jack. So I, I, I've heard it before many times in my life. Like, are you really Mexican? De La Garza? That's, is that Italian? But I'm like, please go to where my dad is from. <laughs> if you go to Monterrey, there'll be like people who look just like me. There's like blonde, blue eyed, you know, Bianca's all over that because we look we look very similar. In fact, I was just there in June with my daughter. And even she, Jack, was like, wow, like this is my family and it's not your typical. But, you know, I think it goes to show the beauty of our culture is that, you know, you can't just, you know, peg us for one thing. You right. Know? And we'll talk about beauty in just a second. But I wanted to uh, talk a little bit about your talk show. You know, when you look at the landscape of late night talk show, there are no Latinx mainstream hosts. It just doesn't exist. I wanted to ask you, why do you think that is? Well, you know, at the time I did feel like sort of, you know, I didn't know know it at the time, but looking back, I was sort of a trailblazer in that regard. And, and also I was the first female late night host because mm-hmm. it was before Samantha B had started. So it wasn't a climate where really we had seen a, a white Latina enter. Um, part of an ensemble, yes, of course, because I think studios and networks and the suits, aka, are smart enough to know you want to have Latinos represented because we are, especially, you know, in, in parts of the country, you know, a huge voice and, and not a minority. 
right? And I'm proud of that. So I think that part of the the thing that came down to it is that, you know, to carry your own show is very difficult, right? So the buck goes to you. If the ratings aren't good, it's Mm -hmm. yours, it's yours and no one else. And I think that, you know, a lot of times the default for position for people when they're hiring is like, let's just go to what's always worked. Oh, we have another hour programming to fill. Let's just fill with another CSI. And there's not a lot of room for people to take chances and sort of be entrepreneurial in the studio system, in the network system. I felt that I was really blessed um, and very lucky at the time because as, as a woman who had left a 20-year career in journalism, you know, I had somewhat of that reputation as someone who was able to get stuff done and, and navigate a world which was, you know, filled with having your, your I's dotted, your T's crossed in a world of journalism. So I was able to sort of broker some really big distribution deals. And as you know, the show that I created, um, I did tape it in New York, but we went from 3 million homes to 20 million homes. We beat SNL a few times and it was an incredible, it was an incredible time in my career. And I thank people like you who came on my show, because at the time that's even the hardest challenge. Not only is it just to get the slot jack, but then you know how it is to book it. So even if we had a Latinx person who wanted to be it, there's always that question mark of like, well, you're so new. Do we want to let other people go on first? And, and that stinks. And that's not really fair because I think you have to judge each, each person, you know, as to their caliber of their, their craft. Right. And maybe they haven't had a a 20 year network career yet. um, Or they're new, but if they're, if they're coming up and they're someone who's well-educated, well-rounded, I think we need to start looking at people in, in, you know, giving them chances. Um, Otherwise we're just going to have the same as what we've always had. And that's just not what I think consumers want today. And I've seen with the explosion since my show, as I've gone on to do more international producing and launch a beauty line, just this really, um, conversation we're having and my POV has always been more global um, because of my journalism background, because my dad was an immigrant. And I feel like nowadays people are looking at um, a dialogue that's not just happening domestic and people really are engaged with wanting to have inclusivity of all all religions and cultures and viewpoints. And there's a thirst and need for it. So I think we're in a good point, actually. And I like to look at glass half full. So I do feel like we're going to be seeing more voices because I think that the voices we've had or the voices we are hearing are just too too um, toxic and, and too negative. So I think there is an opening and there's a want and a need for people to have a dialogue that's compassion, that's that's inclusive, and, and it is happening slowly but surely, Jack. You mentioned that you had a 20-year uh, journalistic career. Tell me a little bit about that. I know your beginnings were in Boston. How did you end up leaving local to go start a late night show. I mean, how does that even happen? And especially for a woman who happens to be Latinx, it just seems like all the odds are against you. I know, I know. Well, it doesn't. I was really the only anchor that sort of went from this and, and became, a, you know, a, um, a, the show, a showrunner of my own show and created it. And I think what happened was, is I, you know, I was very young when I got into journalism. It really was journalism at the time. We were breaking stories. We were exposing corruption. It was like, what you know you think of of what journalism should be Mm -hmm. um but i started i started i went to school at emerson in boston um they have a hollywood campus here in los angeles amazing school uh for journalism and then i ended up in albany and then in san diego where i was reporting on the border back to boston i had just i had at the end of my career after 20 years and and reporting on things like great things like the royal wedding but also like terrorist attacks 9-11 school shootings and just 
feeling inside that there was such a, a need for a new dialogue, I just decided to leave. And, and people were like, you're crazy. Like, I don't know what you're doing. You're a single mom. Why are you leaving? It's like a, a big a, market. A, you know, you're successful yeah, in what from. you do. Yeah. Like it, you have to really, as an entrepreneur say, like, I'm not going to listen to all the fear mongers and the naysayers because yes, although it hadn't happened, it doesn't mean it cannot happen. So I just decided as somebody who, you know, this, you've got one life and you, you have took to a be risk. happy. I took a huge risk and I'm not risk adverse. And I decided that this would be, you know, something that, that would be successful. And, you know, the only slot they, they offered me at the time, they were like, Oh, okay, well you want to go on Saturday night at 1130, like laughing, like who would take that <laughs> slot up against SNL? And I'm like, yeah, I will. Cause I'm a little bit, I am a little bit, you know, for lack of a better word, crazy. I, I like to kind of, you know, be in a, in an uncertainty type of situation because I think it challenges yourself and it challenges you to push yourself and grow and learn. And I never want to be someone who's always doing the same thing and rinse and repeat. So that's mm. why even after the show, even after two successful years and we were just, you know, we were, at the top. And I, I actually decided to, to walk away because what it became was I went from news, which was all depressing. And I'm telling you about pedophiles and car crashes. Aye, and then aye, it went aye. to pure, then it went to pure celebrity. And it was like, you know, I talked, I, I kind of told you about the booking challenge and, you know, it's like at that point, it's like, I don't want to beg people to come on just to like plug their movie. Like there has to be this middle ground where it's entertaining, but it's also informative. And right. I didn't want to be, I didn't want it to be so vapid. I mean, there's something about having, you know, an opinion that matters and, and creating dialogue. So my goal now is, you know, someone who's still in the business, still producing content is like, let's create content that's relevant and entertaining, but also not just, you know, mindless. And I want people to really get something Thing, you know, that makes them feel good, but also enlightens them as well. And, and they walk away like learning something from someone we've been able to, because you're in the same boat. I mean, you have people come on your show and I know you probably feel an ownership of like, what type of content am I creating that's going out there that's in the universe that's yeah. in, you know, the dialogue You're right. and who, who can we have on that that's kind of, you know, either disrupting an industry or creating something. So I feel really proud to have done the show. Um, but it wasn't something I needed to do for the rest of my life. And I'm, I'm <laughs> right. weird for someone who's on TV. I just think I just don't have an ego big enough to be like, it's all about me. I walked <laughs> away from news when people were like, you're I was on TV 20 hours a week. And I'm like, I don't care. It doesn't define me. It will never yeah. define me. Like, so, and, and I think when you have that sort of in, internal, like strength and moral compass, it does take you far. There's a lot of Latinx uh, listeners that are in the industry and, you know, either they're falling off the wagon or they're trying to get back in or they've never been, you know, in the uh, yeah. industry and they're trying to get in and they look at you as a role model of somebody who's going, man, how did she do it? So um, how difficult was it to put on a late night talk show and then compete with everybody else? Was it something that you funded on your own? Did you get an opportunity that yeah, somebody took yeah. a risk on you? How does a Latin ex get their own late night talk show? Well, first of all, thank you so much for those kind words. I mean, obviously, to, to be an inspiration and to even, you know, have you say that that people are looking up to me is, is really is truly humbling, you know, because I, I look at it like I'm just like everybody else. Right. I get up every day and put my pants on the same way and have the same fears and worries. And I've got a girl, a little girl, and we all think, you know, we're all human, right? At the end of the day. So I don't consider myself being extraordinary or, or with any type of, um, you know, special talent, except that I think that being from um, an immigrant family, and, you know, I think this would speak to a lot of your viewers. I think there's a certain drive and a work ethic that will work harder um, and longer because we, we don't, 
think anyone's going to give us anything. Mm. I know that I was raised by a single mom and she really stressed the importance of education. So if people are listening out there, I would say it's, it's probably like threefold, like one, get, get educated, like really know your industry, know your crafts and no one can ever like, you're not faking it because sooner or later you will come into a situation where you will have to know and you can't really fake it. So I think learning is always amazing and trying to reach out and get mentorship and have people help you. I'm sure, sure that there's a lot of resources. I know when I was in news, there was the national association of Hispanic journalists that I was a part of, but really get involved in whatever part of the industry you're in. Like, you know, these are networking bases where you can go to conferences and meet other people and, and hear and learn. So I was always thirsty for knowledge. And second, I think, um, be patient because nothing happens overnight. You know, it really is a long, long haul. And the successes you're reading about in, in Hollywood Reporter and The Wrap, those are people who've been in the business for like 20 years. They're, they're not, once in a while you get somebody who, yes, it's just a lucky break, but a lot of people have been working at this for a long time. So don't get discouraged because what you're seeing isn't something that happened overnight or, you know, and I think third, it is sort of that internal dialogue you have with yourself. Like, you're not a victim, even if you don't get one job or you're passed over. And I was passed over for a lot of jobs. I mean, I was offered a network position and then I had it taken away from me by my local news station. And it, at the at the time, Jack, it was like, my life is over. That was a huge right. break. I would have been moving to New York. But now I look back and I'm like, thank you, God, I didn't get that because it led me to do the show. It led me to be an entrepreneur. It led me to live my life on my own terms. So even when you see doors close, I think that you know, uh, if we're part of this community and we're really trying to help one another, and I, I know we are, it's like we just have to stay strong and, and stay focused and say, okay, that wasn't the right play for me. But yeah, to start the show, it was extremely difficult. I'm not sure what happened. You know, but there's no playbook. I can't tell somebody like, this is the book, do A, B, and C, and then this is how you get your own show. At the time, I was coming off, you know, a really successful news career and I had a lot of contacts, you know, through network and industry people, but I had spent 20 years again in doing this. So um, between, you know, talking to them and talking to sponsors and people who, you know, did sort of take a chance on me, I think you'll always have people who take a chance on you, but it did require a lot of, you know, um, you know, asking and getting doors closed and then people saying, okay, I'll give you this and scrapping together the money. It was a lot of work, but it was it was for myself. And when you work and you're something, you know, you're wholly owned by it, you, you will work until it happens. You will see it through. Where did you find the, the chutzpah? Where did you find the, the motivation uh, to push you forwards and overcome all those obstacles? Because I'm going to tell you the truth. You know, a, a lot of us Hispanics, sometimes as soon as we see a no, we're like, you see, I knew mm -hmm. it. I knew they were going to tell me no, this isn't yeah. for me. Like there's this sense that a lot of people, a lot of us really do believe in a higher power, in a God that mm -hmm. has already written the book. So what, what was it about you? What do you attribute your confidence to just plow through all those moments that are walls and barriers? You have to put yourself in a situation where I think if you are someone who's easily going to be, nah, you know, you're only going to knock a few times and once they hear no, you're not going to, you know, if you, if you know you're predisposed to that which is fine, right? You, you know who you are. It's okay. Um, and I think that's human nature, right? Like no one wants to be rejected. I mean, even in like the dating world, it's like no one's like wants to be said no. <laughs> but I think what you have to do is you have to realize, you have to put yourself almost into a point of no return. Like, you know, when you're crossing the bridge, if, if that bridge was to be cut from that big side over there and you're in the middle or you've jumped, right? And you could either fall or you got to land on the other side, you got to be so hungry. So, you know, I quit my full-time job 
and this was my goal. So there was no turning back. So I do believe that once you're in a position of I'm in it or you've announced it to people, like you've told your family and friends, you don't want to let them down, you know, you will kind of find a way to make it happen. And that's where you see the difference between successful people and people who have it. They just keep going. Mm. And you'll, you'll, you know, you read about successful entrepreneurs and people who launched empires and a lot of them, there were days they felt like quitting too. So I think if you also realize you're not alone, this has happened to like the greatest people and, you know, uh, and in things in business, I have to tell you, you have to have an appetite to not, not you have to have an appetite to take a lot of hits. People are going to come after you. They're going to say negative things. They're going to, you know, try to tear you down and destroy you. And it's sad, but that's the world sucks, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah. There's so, you know, as much as I like to believe in humanity, I know there's good people and, you know, there's bad people. There's some really bad people out there and they'll try to come at you and they'll try to, you know, we've seen people, you know, that, you know, anyone can sue anyone in America. Like you just have to realize that you're playing, you know, when you want to do big things, people are going to look at you and they're going to be so jealous that they're not, they're going to do any, anything they can to kind of make you feel bad about yourself, make you feel less than. So you do have to put on an armor and, you know, I'm really cautious on the the circle I keep because you are sort of surrounded by people. And, you know, you, if you're fortunate to have strong family, which, you know, is the blessing, you know, I think that you surround yourself with friends and family who are going to support you and push you um, because you don't need the negativity. You don't need people saying like, you'll never do this or who do you think you are? And you just have to really dig down deep and say, I believe in this. And I do believe that there is, you know, like you said, there are, it, there is so many different paths people can take and you, you can't wait around. You can't wait for things to happen. You really have to be out there sort of putting yourself in these positions to have things happen. For example, I was uh, taping a show recently, Jack, mm-hmm. we went to eight countries in, uh, oh, that's crazy. in like in eight weeks. Yeah. It was, it was kind of called, it was called being beautiful. It is called being beautiful. And it was about what is beauty in today's world. Right. So we travel all these beautiful places, Mexico, of course, and uh, you know, all these places, <laughs> And I ended up meeting these wonderful Asian actresses who I had on uh, my show to kind of, you know, tour through Seoul, Korea, and Japan, and Hong Kong. And and then they asked me to be in a movie. So I just actually got back from Taiwan. Wait, wait, you were doing your own film. show and all of a sudden someone <laughs> asked you to be in a movie? <laughs> Yeah, that's so awesome. Yeah, I was interviewing these beautiful girls, and the director Alice Wang is like, "I'm doing." uh, They were doing this movie, Mulan Angels. They're like, "We're filming part two right now." Bianca, we need a villain, and you're like American, and you need to be the villain. And I'm like, "Okay." Wow, Jack, I could have never like predicted that would be the path, right? So. When I'm, you know, just keep saying yes, people just keep saying yes. And then you go on these adventures and life can be so good. And, you know, I really encourage people to, to find what stirs their soul, whatever it is. Everyone's good at something, right? And maybe it's media, TV, but maybe it's art, music. So I really don't want anyone to feel that their life can't be the most amazing adventure. And, and I'm telling you, it is, it is, um, and you're a member of the media and I was too for many years. It's like, we have to have sources like this and, and dialogue like this. So people understand it. It's not just, um, you know, it's not just two things in the world here happening. Like there's a lot of other cultural things. Diversity is something oh, yeah. that is way too is many layers. Wanted. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so I, I think, you know, th- the movie was great and it, you know, that's a sign of just saying yes and, and putting yourself out there. We'll talk about the movie in a second, but once this <laughs> chapter closed for you in terms of the television late night show, you decided to go into the beauty industry and uh, you have Bianca de la Garza Beauty. Uh, you have a collection called In Glow We Trust, which, by the way, I love the name. Thank you. How did you end up getting 
into the beauty industry? Yeah, it was something that came sort of naturally because I had put on my own makeup for years. People don't realize sometimes they think you have makeup artists and I'm like, no, no, no. Like I'd be in the field and throwing on lip gloss two minutes before a live shot or you know, <laughs> even in the anchor anchor role, you know, we'd come in in the morning and they didn't have makeup artists because we would come in at the ungodly hour of like 3.30 in the morning. But I was realizing that my skin just wasn't looking great. And um, during my late night show, again, it's like really heavy makeup strong lights, your skin, my skin never breathed. It was so I felt that I was getting older. and I said, I want to do something. I want a product that, you know, I was like kind of looking around for something that when I didn't want to wear makeup, I could put something on that had like skin protection and preventative and, Mm -hmm. you know, good nutrients in my face. And I didn't really find it. Everything was really, nothing gave a glow. It was all like sequin highlighter. Yay. And like, you know, something my daughter would use or put on your, when you're going to the club. And I was like, what can I put on during the day? So I really wanted to create something that was good for my skin, but it gave me a healthy glow. Nowhere could I find it. It was just all so sparkly. Wow. And I said, I think I'm onto something. Like if I can give women something that like they get out of like spinning and they're going to brunch and they just want to put something on and then it's doing good stuff for them. Bingo. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was really fortunate, you know, I'd been working in California and I, uh, you know, spoke to some people who had done some other lines for, you know, some, some people. And there's a lot of, you know, everyone here, there's a, a, a huge health push and a lot of dermatologists and doctors. And I, I said, I think I have this idea and I was able to find an amazing chemist to create this, this formula. And it, it really, you know, in glow, we trust is, yeah, it's a play on, of course, if you look at the dollar bill and God we trust and stuff. But it's like, you know, it's like, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I was so tired of being someone on TV who felt like I had to wear all this makeup. And wow, isn't it great if we can just let our inner glow radiate outward because we trust who we are. So that's where the idea came from. And, you know, I love the line. I expanded into an eye cream and other things that I wear all the time. And it's really st- it's stuff that's good for you. I'm you know, I've learned a lot about the beauty industry and is someone who, you know, had used every product under the sun and really tried a lot of things. Some work, some don't work. You know, I really want to create a, a an affordable but luxury product for for the everyday woman. And so I feel like I am my consumer. And that's kind of why it all, if the product doesn't exist and I want something that does ABC, I'll make it. And it's been really fun. What does beauty mean for you? Well, beauty in my life is sort of simplicity now. And that's because for so many years, it wasn't right. It was like, oh, you're an anchor. You have to look a certain way. You have to wear, don't wear the same dress for like a month and this and that. And, you know, be this persona and be perfect. And if you weren't perfect, oh, there was hell to be paid. Like you'd be called into your boss's office or a viewer would call. One viewer called Jack and would be like, they'd call you and be like, you looked tired today. We got a complaint. And I'm like, well, I did get up at three in the morning and like, <laughs> maybe like maybe the, that has something status, to do with it. Maybe. Do you think, <laughs> but like the ultimate of being on and being perfect and articulating this and that, and that is like, it's it got to the point where it's just, yeah. it's exhausting. And I don't think that beauty should be something that is exhausting for people. And I think that that's why there's this, this wave that's happening that I talk about a lot. Um, And I do do a lot of like B2B conferences and beauty. And it's like this democratization of beauty. I think that beauty is really finding, um, enhancing your, what God gave you, you know, like finding things that, you know, work it girl, like, or guys, you know, what, what, what are your, um, what do you have that's, you know, your, you want to highlight your smile or your, you know, eyes. And I think beauty is something that's in, in all of us. And it's just, sometimes we get so, um, lost in the messaging you know, where it's like, oh, you're you're anti-aging or you need this, you need that. And it's like, no, th- those companies are 
are doing that to fear monger and make, get rich while we continue to search for something that's exterior. And it's all going to, it's all an inside job, but beauty is, is complicated. Right. And I think people think it's like, Oh, well it's, it's beauty, it's skincare. And it's like, you know, we see YouTube tutorials on how to do your makeup. And it's like, but we have to take beauty. What my goal and what I'm doing is really to take it and elevate it to a subject where we are using it in a way um, that promotes health, wellness, everything, because beauty, beauty can be, you know, the food you eat or the music you hear, but beauty can also be, you know, it's life force energy. If you see someone across a crowded room and you want to go talk to them and like beauty can, it's procreation. So I think beauty is not this like little superficial subject that we like to say about like it's eyeliner and lipstick. It's like beauty is super complex, very scientific in one way and also very um, emotional, psychological in another way. And it can tear people up or bring them down. So God, I hope we're doing it in a way that, that brings them up and makes them feel good about themselves because we all have a piece to play in that. As you know, Latinx, uh, we come in all different shades. Um, does your beauty brand, um, is it applicable to indigenous people, dark uh, skin yes. people. Yes. That was really important to me. So our serum comes in three colors. So we do have three shades that really will cover the gamut and it's such a sheer, it's a sheer, uh, um, it's like a sheer formula. So it will work if you have darker skin or copper colors, beautiful. We have a golden, we have a pearl. So I really, that was important to me because I, one size doesn't fit all. And I wanted it to be something that is, it's, it's universal to many women from around the world. And, you know, I think it's, it's been great to kind of get some of the accolades, you know, and people, I, I didn't, you know, seek out for any of this. It just was natural. Like I wanted a product didn't exist. I make it, but it is nice to see now that it is um, a time in beauty where I think multicultural and diversity is, is sort of the name of the game. And, it's a good thing. It's a good thing that we're showing the world that we're all different. It's, it's a, you know, it's time, it's time for this. That's excellent. Well, before I let you go, I wanted to kind of quickly touch, you're going to be at the Toronto film festival next month. Um, uh, what are you going to be doing there? So we're promoting Mulan angels too. the film I just taped. In That's so crazy. Taiwan. So how was that experience <laughs> yes. by the way? Like ultimately, was, what was it like filming a movie? You know, as someone who's done mostly television and, but uh, you know, it was really cool to see an action movie and I had to train for martial arts. So I'm doing Whoa. all my fighting. Yeah. I don't, I didn't have a stunt double and I played the villain at one point I'm, I'm fighting like three women and one girl <laughs> with a black belt. I, I was like, okay. So I, I took it very seriously and I trained with a few, um, martial arts experts here in Los Angeles in the States and then went over there and did some more training. It was an amazing experience. Alice Wang is sort of this iconic uh, director who I'll be producing more movies with now. So I'm excited to be with her because it's a fun movie. It's all female cast and it's kind of a good versus evil setup. But mm -hmm. I loved I loved the experience and the people in Taiwan and Taipei couldn't have been warmer and, and more inclusive to me. And we went from Taipei, which is a city, down to Kenting National Park on the southern part of the island. And, you know, it, it's China, but it's not China. It's more of a free China. And uh, you know, it's just the way their culture is. They're just, the work ethic is so strong. Yeah. They're so kind. They're so family oriented. Um, but we had a blast. And although we're like kicking each other's ass on screen, like me and the girls, we get along wonderful. And it's been fun to kind of work with a lot of these women. And the East meets West, I think we've all seen, you know, this explosion of interest in Asia. Um, I don't want to say it's because of crazy rich Asians, but because of, you know, we just know that right now there's this 
fascination and this really, you know, cool time where we can bridge, I think, a dialogue. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily the one you're reading about in the newspapers of China and this and that. Like when you when you can bridge it through Hollywood, when you can bridge it through movies and bridge it through entertainment, I think that's a, a beautiful story and one worth noting. So I'm excited. So in Toronto, we'll be screening Mulan Angels 2 and we'll be um, announcing some new partnerships I have with with Asia. So we're super excited for that's that. That's awesome. Congratulations on everything. And if uh, the ladies or the men want to buy something for their ladies uh, regarding <laughs> the Bianca de la Garza beauty brand, how do they go about it? Uh, right now we're selling on e-commerce, which is BDG Beauty. BDG, Bianca Delagarzabeauty.com. And you're so sweet, Jack. Thank you. But yeah, we're vegan. We're non-GMO. It's all good, high quality stuff made here in California and distributed here in California. So I have my name on it. I'm not going to have anything, you know, bad in there. So you know that. But it's been such a pleasure reconnecting with you and continued success to you. I love to see what you're doing and I love the voice that you are carrying out. I mean, it really is so important in these times. Oh, thanks so much, Bianca. And good luck on everything. Thank you, Jack. And that's it for episode 124 of the Highly Relevant Podcast. I want to thank Bianca de la Garza and Mike Sargent for coming on the show. And if you like to support this podcast, please spread the love on social media and tell all your friends about it. You can reach me on Instagram at Jack Rico and my Facebook page at Jack Rico 40. Remember, it's only through your support that our show can grow. I'm Jack Rico. See you next week on another episode of Highly Relevant. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.